This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. A couple of weeks back, some of us dads and daughters were able to enjoy a camp out together. And there was a, a time in that camp out that we were hiking along the lake. And I believe Heath was there with me, and, and we witnessed a pretty comical uh, event. Well, down next to the lake, there were some, uh, some, some goslings, baby geese with their mother. And the little girls saw these little babies. They're like, oh, and so they just start running with everything they got to go and pick up one of these little babies. Well, what they didn't see was the mother, or they didn't think about the mother. So as they were running to pick up one of these geese, these baby uh, geese, all of a sudden that mother turns around and stops them in their tracks. That, that, that mother basically was communicating to these little girls that were running to pick up one of their babies, like, over my dead body, will you ever touch one of my babies, was what that mother was saying to these little girls. And their, their, their little look of delight and awe turned into the look of terror as they did a 180 and ran back to us dads. What we learn about... God's nature is that animals have a way of communicating with us humans, and we've all witnessed them. We think about a dog. We come home from work or come home from our day at school, and our dog's just running up to us, wagging its tail, communicating, oh, I'm so happy to see you. They have a way of communicating with us. Well, tonight, what we want to do is talk about one of the only instances in the, in the Word of God where an animal uses human words to communicate. And the reason I, I want to do this is I remember there was a time when the dinosaurs were Roman, and I was about 9 or 10 years of age, and I heard a preacher talk about a talking donkey. And in, he was able to illustrate this story in such a way that I was just sitting on the edge of my seat the whole time. And I thought for the very first time, I like God's word. Before, it was a little bit boring, but I'm like, man, God's word is fascinating. And from that time on, I started opening up the word of God and, and learning from it. And it, it kind of changed the course of my life. And I'm mindful of that because we have a lot of youngsters in our, in our audience this evening. But more importantly, this story offers us some great lessons and so we're going to be learning about Balaam. He was the owner of this donkey. And he had set down a path that it was a very terrible path. And uh, so I've titled the sermon, The Way of Balaam. So before we kind of start reading, if you will, I'm not using a PowerPoint tonight. Go ahead and turn to, to Numbers chapter 22. And this evening we're going to be taking the, the, the main part of our sermon from this chapter. So we're going to stay right there in Numbers chapter 22, starting with verse 15, if you want to follow along. 
But before we start reading, we've got to kind of figure out what's going on with the children of Israel. So what's going on with God's people? Well, God's people had been delivered by a man named Moses out of the hands of Egypt. We remember that they were in bondage. And Moses comes in, and with the power of God and the plagues, uh, this, this people were released. And they set off on a journey to the promised land, the land of Canaan. A land that floweth with milk and honey. Well, during this journey to Canaan, we remember what happens, right? They had a lot of Egypt inside of them. God's people did. And they became a little rebellious. And so God says, you know what? I'm not going to allow you to enter into the promised land. I'm going to let your children enter in. And so you're going to spend the next 40 years wandering in circles in the wilderness. And so... Where we're picking up in numbers is that when this 40-year wandering has come to an end. And so you remember how they conquered Jericho, how they crossed the river of Jordan, and they, they conquered Jericho by marching seven times? Well, this is right before that event. In fact, they're on the other side of Jordan. Uh, they're camped along the borders of Moab. Well, if you can imagine all of God's people in one camp, on your border, just outside of Alma, that would get your attention. Well, there was a king's name who, whose name was uh, Balak. And Balak was a man that had lots of knowledge. He had uh, a lot of power. And because he had this knowledge, he knew about God's people. And he thought they had supernatural power. Because he had seen that they had overcome the mightiest nation in the world, and that was that of Egypt. And he just saw how they had conquered the Amorites. And so they were a fear, they were a nation to be reckoned with. And he knew that. And so he was trying to devise a way to weaken God's people because he knew that they had the power to overcome him and his country, his nation. And so the, the plan that he devised was he had an acquaintance whose name was Balaam. Well, Balaam was a kind of a prophet of sorts. Uh, he also had the power to be a sorcerer. And so he could kind of pronounce blessings and cursings on people and also be able to foretell the future. And so he thought, hmm, if I can get Balaam to come and curse God's people they will not have power over me and my nation. And so he said, I'll send a bunch of gifts with some of my servants. And that's what he did. So he sends these gifts. They give them to Balaam. These are like gifts from a king. Great gifts, right? So he butters Balaam up a little bit with these gifts and said, all I'm asking is you just come, say a little curse on God's people, and you can go back home. That was it. Well, Balaam's like, well, I can't speak things that God doesn't speak to me. And so let me go to God tonight. You stay the night at my house. And then if God says, let me curse, if God gives me permission to curse his people, then I'll do so. And so he goes to God. What does God say? No. <laughs> no, you silly man. <laughs> You're not going to curse my people. I don't want you to even go with these men. These men are trouble. So that's what he says to Balaam. And so these men go back to king, and you know, the kings, they kind of get what they want. 
That's, they have power. They get what they want. And so this was not okay with, with, with Balak. Balak says, okay, we've got to come up with a plan B. And that's where we're going to pick up reading Numbers chapter 22 and verse 15. And I'm going to read in the, in the New King James Version or not, if you want to follow along. Verse 15, then Balak again sends princes more numerous and more honorable than they before. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will certainly honor you greatly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come and curse this people before me. And Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now therefore, please, you also stay here tonight, that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. We'll stop right there. So what just happened? Well, plan B. So basically, Balak's plan B was to send more distinguished men. He sends the, his top dogs. They were actually princes. These men were probably very skilled in the ways of negotiation and the ways of communication. And so he sends these guys to talk to Balaam. And not only that, but he says, I want you to give Balaam two promises. In other words, whatever honor that he wants, he can have. Unlimited honor, that which leads to power. And he says, whatever Balaam desires, talking about wealth, he can have. What should have Balaam done? God had said, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to curse my people. Balaam should have said, you guys need to go back home. But what does he do? He says, you spend the night, and I'll ask God to see what he has to say. And so that's what they do. And so we find that when he asks God, God says to him, if these men shall ask you to come with them, then go. And so we realize, or we, we, we learn that Balaam gets up early in the morning and he saddles his donkey and he goes towards Moab. So the question is, if God said go and then he's mad that he went, like what's going on here? Is God fickle? So we have to really kind of dig into verse 22. There's a key word there, if. So these men had come to Balaam and said, hey, go back with us. You can get whatever you want. The king has the power to give you whatever you want. 
So he says, let me talk to God. And God says, if these men request that you go with them, then you go. But we don't see any kind of conversation between them happen. He just kind of gets up that morning. He's already made up his mind to go. So it appears to me that the reason why God was upset with him is that he just flat out disobeyed God. You know, there's a lot of young drivers now, and you have realized the importance of stoplights. Stoplights control traffic. You got your green light, means go. You got your yellow light, slow, caution. Then you got your red light, you stop. And those red lights are very important because if we should go, when we are to stop, what's going to happen? There's going to be a collision. We could get ourselves hurt, and we could hurt someone else. Well, God puts red lights in our life to say, whoa, stop. And this is what he did with Balaam. He says, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to curse my people. Balak is a bad man, and all he's going to offer you is trouble. But what did he do? He said, let me just ask God one more time. I know he said no before, but maybe he'll change his mind. You know, there are repercussions when it comes to disobedience. God says he puts red lights in our life for a reason. I think about like Lot's wife. You remember when, when Lot and his wife and his daughters were able to flee Sodom and Gomorrah? There was one little red light that he, that he gave to them. Don't look back. What happened? She looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. You remember King Saul, how he had everything going for him. He was one of the best kings to ever live. God has said simply, just wait on Samuel. Wait on Samuel. But what did he do? He ran that red light, didn't he? And he lost his whole kingdom because of that decision. There are red lights that we are not to blow past. They are there for our protection. But see, what happened to Balaam is there was something that was more important than God's path, and that was his own will. His own will was stronger and more powerful than that of God's commandments. And that is the power of lust. It can consume our every being. And that's what was beginning to happen with Balaam. Okay, let's continue reading. Let's pick up with verse 22, and we'll read to verse 27. Then God's anger was aroused because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. The donkey turned aside out of the way, and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on the side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place 
where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw an angel, the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. We'll pause there. So he gets on this donkey. He starts his little travel, his path to Moab. But there's a disconnect between Balaam and his donkey. This donkey can see things that Balaam cannot. And so it's causing a lot of contention between these two. This donkey is able to see an angel of the Lord. Imagine you're traveling down, this magnificent angel appears out of nowhere. With a sword in his hand, he looks angry. And so then the only natural thing for this donkey to do is to preserve its own life and its master. And so what it does is it takes off running through the field. Well, Balaam doesn't see that there's an angel, the Lord, standing in front of him. And so he just starts striking this donkey. Well, he gets his donkey back on the path again, on the way of Balaam. What happens? Well, there's two walls, one on the right side and one on the left. And they're traveling down, and there's nowhere for this donkey to go. And there's an angel of the Lord standing in front of them again. It just appears out of nowhere. And so the only thing that this donkey thinks of doing is like, I've got to get Balaam's attention. So it just smashes his foot and crushes it against the wall. I would have hit the donkey that time. <laughs> and Balaam did. And so what happens? The angel of the Lord disappears, and they go on the path again. Now they're kind of, it appears like they're kind of on a mountaintop. You got straight drop off on the right, straight drop off on the left. And so there's the angel of the Lord. It appears again for the third time. And so the donkey can't go to the right or to the left, and so it decides, well, I'll just sit down. Sit down. That's what it does. What happens? He's upset, and he smites the donkey a third time. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, why could the donkey see the angel of the Lord, but why could not Balaam? Why couldn't Balaam see the angel of the Lord? Well, the scriptures tell us. We could, the Hebrew writer says in, what's that verse? In Hebrews 12 and 14, I'll just read this if you don't want to turn there. It says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. What is that saying to us? If you follow after holiness, the ways of righteousness, and you follow after peace, the, you'll be able to see the Lord. But if those two things are not present in our life, we will be blind. And we can read that over and over in the scriptures. John talks a lot about loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, if you love less your brother or sister in Christ, then we are blind. We're walking in darkness. And you see, Balaam, he did not have the goodwill of the children of Israel in his heart. He was all about cursing them. Why? So that he could have money and power. He was definitely not in walking in holiness. He was walking his own path. 
in, in 2 Peter 2 and 15 and 16, it says, They have forsaken the right way, then gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of this prophet. Balaam had forsaken the right way. And he'd gone astray. He was on the path of unrighteousness. He was on his own journey. And it was a journey that was leading to destruction. And therefore he couldn't see. Any time that we get off the path of God, we are going to be blind and we're going to be deaf to pitfalls that surround us. Only the path of God, walking in the light as Christ is in the light, only the word of God can provide the, the lamp that we need to guide our feet. So any time that we wander off of that path, Destruction takes place because we cannot see, we cannot hear. Okay, let's continue reading. Verse 28. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me, I wish there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you before? And Balaam said, no. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I've come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, he surely, I would have killed you by now and let her live. And Balaam said to the angel, the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. Then the angel, of the Lord, said to Balaam, go with the men, but only let the word which I speak to you that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. We finally get to the talking donkey part. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the story. You know what's shocking to me is this donkey just starts talking up to Balaam. And Balaam just starts talking back. He was not shocked. He's like, he didn't ask the question, why are you talking to me? You were never talking to me before. Because there was madness. You remember what Peter said? There was madness inside of Balaam. He was completely consumed with his lust of pride, his lust of power and lust of wealth that it just didn't even dawn on him that a donkey was talking to him. What was the first question? 
What was the first words out of this donkey's mouth? Why did you beat me three times? We need to remember that. Well, the obvious answer, <laughs> why do you beat a donkey? Why do you beat a horse? Ava knows, like, you bring it into submission. Sometimes you got to beat the animal to bring it into submission. That's what he was doing. That's the obvious answer. But that's not what the donkey was really asking, right? That was not what the donkey was asking. Why did you beat me these three times? See, Balak was embarrassed. Balaam, excuse me, was embarrassed. You got these princes. These are very distinguished men. They were riding alongside of him. You could have just imagined the sights that they're seeing at this time. This guy can't even control his donkey. <laughs> I mean, just imagine what they saw. He was embarrassed. He felt mocked and betrayed by this donkey. And then, you, you know, you add a crushed foot in there. He was pretty upset. He said, he was so upset, he said, if I had a sword in my hand, I would end your life now. And it was at that time that the angel of the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he could see the angel of the Lord and all of its magnificence. You know what Balaam did at that time? He did only, the only thing that came natural to him. He fell to his face. That was just for an angel. Imagine what the Son of God. Imagine what we're going to do with the Son of God. This angel appears. He falls on his face. What is the first thing that the angel says to Balaam? Why did you beat your donkey three times? So there may be some important significance there. The angel went on to say, the way, you're, the way of Balaam is perverse. The path that you're going down is perverse. And Balaam says, I've sinned. I've sinned. I didn't, I didn't see you there. He says, if it is displeasing to you, I'll turn around and go home. And the angel of the Lord says, go. So we have to ask ourselves, why did you beat the donkey three times? It was really a question that I think about the Lord asked. Remember, you remember Saul in the New Testament? Remember how all he, was, all he cared about, all that he lived for was persecuting the church? The Lord asked him a question. Is it hard for thee to kick against the pricks? You know, a prick is like a tool that you, that you hit an animal with to bring him in submission. It's basically a tool with spikes at the end. If you hit an animal, again, they're, you're going to get their attention really quick. And if they're dumb enough to kick against that, oh, they won't do that again. And so the Lord's asking Saul, why are you being so stubborn? Why are you kicking against the prick? The reason why he beat this animal is because of his stubbornness. Because of his, he was an absolute rebellion. He was going to do whatever it took to get to Moab, to curse God's people, and to receive the power that Balak could offer him. That was where his head is at. That's why this question was asked over and over again.
But what's puzzling is he says, your way is perverse. Go. That's something that we've got to ask ourselves. Why did he say that? Why did he say go if, this, if, if Balaam's way displeased the Lord? Why did Jesus tell Judas Iscariot, go and betray me for 30 pieces of silver? Go and sell your soul for 30 pieces of silver. Go and do what you're going to do. Because Judas had already decided he was consumed because he went down the way of Balaam, consumed by his lust, and there was nothing that Jesus could say to him to change the course of his life. There was nothing at this point that the angel of the Lord could say to Balaam to change his course because he had already decided. You see, we can become so consumed by our desires and by our lust in life that God's word has no more power over us. This is where God just says, you've made your choice. Go. Romans 1 talks a great deal about that. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. There's nothing he could do more. Think about the prodigal son. Remember when his son came to him? He said, Dad, I want my inheritance. You see, the dad knew, the father and the mother knows their children well. That father knew exactly where he was headed. He was headed to sin. But you know, there was nothing he could do to change his mind. And so he had to let him go. He had to let him go. But thankfully, he came back. But you see, Balaam, he didn't. The way of Balaam is not a good way to go. See, Balaam was, did not have the power to curse God's people, but he let Balak know how to weaken the people. He says, I want you to get every female in your nation and send them over to hang out with the children of Israel, with those men. You let them marry each other, and then all the idols that your nation worships, the children of Israel will worship them. And that's how you will weaken them. See, Balaam was so consumed that no matter what, he was going to basically get what he desired. There was no stopping it. No stopping it. And that's the power of sin. That is the power of lust and how it can consume us. You see, what I love about this story, there's a good side of it, and that's the side of God's on. You see, he had given them a way of escape. Think about this. Three times an angel stops this donkey and Balaam in their tracks, giving them a way of escape. He has a donkey talk to him. How loving is that? Our God is loving. He tried to give Balaam every opportunity to, to change his way, to change his path. That's what I love about this story. That's the redeeming thing. It's not all sad. Balaam, he chose, he chose greed and lust and power, and his way was not a good way because he was killed by God's people. And now all throughout the New Testaments, there are 
terrible things that God says about this man's character. He says the way of Balaam, don't go down it, is a way of destruction. But let's always remember that sometimes, you know, we get pulled over for, for breaking the speed limit. And it's a hard thing sometimes to have to write that check for that ticket. But doesn't it set us right? We're like, well, the next day, like, I'm not going to speed anymore. Sometimes God chastises us. Sometimes he rebukes us and admonishes us in certain ways. And we need to love him for that because he wants the very best for us. And that's what I want us to take away. Sometimes we, we, we hit red lights and let's respect those red lights of God. His commands are for our protection. And when he's offering us ways of escape, like he's giving us a way out, we need to open our eyes to that because God is just trying to warn us because the way of Balaam is not good. I appreciate your, your kind attention this evening. If there be any here that would like the prayers of the church or any would like to obey the gospel, we ask you to come now as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.